and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast, a podcast aimed at making your quilting life more fun and creative while connecting with quilters just like you. Join the staff of the magazines you love for a great episode filled with tips and tricks. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm Lindsay Mayland and I'm so excited to be here with you. On today's show, we're exploring our creativity and how to refill our cups even during hard times so that we can create with freedom and joy. Creative ruts can happen to the best of us and we have some solutions for how to get out of one. We also chat with the talented designer and author, Wendy Chow of The Weekend Quilter. So let's dive in. A few months ago, I saw a TED Talk with Sandra Dalton-Smith, who is an internal medicine physician and author of the book Sacred Rest. The book was actually published back in 2017, but received a lot of attention again recently with the pandemic. The focus of the book and the TED Talk is how to replenish your energy, creativity, and happiness during times of stress, and this was really resonating with a lot of people. I was so struck by a lot of what her book says, so wanted to share it with our listeners today and how it relates to your creativity. This is, of course, great information just to know for our everyday lives as we're now one year into this pandemic. Um, and many of us are still under a lot of stress and just incredible changes to our daily routines. But it's also a lesson for all of us who experience creative ruts and just want to nourish our minds and bodies so that we can find joy and fulfillment in sewing. So the book, Sacred Rest, operates on this idea that most of us have what the author calls a rest deficit. And rest is not sleep, they're different. So rest is the act of refilling our tanks, which get depleted throughout the day as we just live life. And many of us are so busy crossing items off our to-do lists that we don't always get the rest we need to feel energized, creative, and happy in our lives. So through her research, Dr. Dalton Smith has identified seven types of rest that we all require. Everything we do draws from a different pool of energy, so it's possible to feel drained in some aspects of our lives and not in others. But lucky for us quilters, our hobby helps with almost all seven types of rest that we need. So I'm going to walk through each type of rest and explain how quilting can help you achieve that type of rest. So while I'm going through them, pay attention to what types really strike a chord with you. That just may be your mind telling you what type of rest you're needing. Number one is creative rest. And this is the type that inspires and motivates you. So creative rest is the most obvious when it comes to quilting. You're creative every time you step into your sewing space, whether you're dreaming of your next project, putting color palettes together from your fabric stash, adding applique or embroidery to a project, or even quilting beautiful designs. But if you're in a creative rut, 
you may have a hard time feeling inspired and motivated and therefore not be doing much sewing. If you're feeling this way, here are a few suggestions for getting that creative type of rest so that you can get back to quilting. Spend time doing something that inspires you outside of your sewing room. So this could be taking a walk in nature, visiting an art museum, listening to classical music, or even visiting a local quilt shop to look at fabric with no projects in mind. Or try doing a puzzle that has a lot of different colors and textures. Taking the pressure off of creating something yourself and just enjoying the beautiful works of others can help fill up your creative energy. The second type of rest is mental rest. This is when you quiet your mind and focus on what's really important. So the repetitive motion of quilting can really help focus your mind and allow your mind to rest. Sometimes this can take the form of chain piecing a lot of the same units over and over again, or taking some time at the cutting table or ironing board to focus on cutting multiples of something or even letting your mind wander while you're pressing blocks. When your mind is feeling overwhelmed with information or to-do list items, try taking a 15-minute break in your sewing space to do something repetitive and relaxing. Nothing that takes a lot of brain power or math, just something you can give your attention to and relax. Many of us don't prioritize our mental health and mental rest, so give yourself the gift of a little sewing time each day, almost as a form of meditation and relaxation. The third type of rest is physical, and this is the rest that relieves your body of muscle aches and tension and helps improve your sleep. Now, this is the type of rest that quilting doesn't directly give you. To me, quilting is sometimes a workout. You are hunched over a sewing machine, or you're lifting a heavy iron, or you're spending hours cutting or quilting. Uh, your fingers and wrists make it sore from holding needles or doing handwork. So that is all physical work and can cause extra stress on your physical health. So we need to make sure that we're taking care of our bodies while we're sewing and getting some of that physical rest that's needed. So take a five minute break every hour of sewing to stretch your body, correct your posture, uh, drink a glass of water. We have a great video on tips to make your sewing space more ergonomic so that you can relieve some of the most common causes of physical pain while sewing. So we can link to that in the show notes so that you can take a few simple steps to prioritize your physical health in your sewing space. The fourth type of rest is social. So spending time on relationships you cherish and with people who enhance your life. This is one of my personal greatest joys of being a quilter, connecting with others who share a similar love and learning from them. Now, quilting is usually a solo activity, so it is funny to talk about how it can enhance our social rest and energy, but I have found quilters to be the most friendly bunch. Many of our listeners may belong to quilt guilds, go on quilt retreats, take classes at your local quilt shop, or even belong to online quilting groups such as on Facebook. And these are all great ways to connect with other quilters. And although this past year has seen many events canceled, 
and you may not feel the most connected right now in this moment, there are usually many opportunities to meet other quilters. But if you're struggling right now, uh, maybe it's because you live in a more rural town, uh, you're not great at technology, or even you're just so busy that you don't have time to connect with others on a regular basis, um, we would suggest joining in our virtual quilt retreat, which is on May 20th. Uh, we do virtual quilt retreats a few times a year. It's just so nice to spend a day with quilters from around the world, and we host our virtual quilt retreat on Facebook and Instagram, um, so you can join in there, but uh, you can also host your own virtual quilt retreat with your friends. Um, so we share all the tips for hosting your own retreat on episode 483 of the podcast so that you can listen back and get all of our best tips. And we'll link to these resources in our show notes so that you can plan to host your own or join in on our virtual quilt retreat on May 20th. The fifth type of rest is emotional rest. And this is having the ability to express your deepest feelings and be your most genuine self. There are a lot of ways for you to be your true authentic self in your sewing space. You can use your favorite colors, patterns, techniques. You can create things that hold a deep meaning to you. But there are also a lot of ways the opposite can be true while sewing. Maybe you keep saying yes to sewing projects you're not passionate about, like repairing family members' clothing or sewing quilts as um, gifts to sell or for others to give, or even using colors and patterns you don't love, but you're just doing it because everyone else is. I know I've personally fallen into the trap of buying fabric because there was some excitement around it and my quilting buddies loved it, and then that fabric just sits unused in my sewing space because it's not really something I love. So if you find that your sewing isn't bringing you joy, you may need to fill up on emotional rest and more closely examine why you're not having fun in your sewing space. Maybe you finally need to say no to a project. Maybe you need to make a quilt in colors that make you happy even if it doesn't match anything in your home. Or maybe you need to process some emotions or hard struggles you're going through right now and make a small project that helps you work through your feelings and share what you're going through in a more tangible way. Sewing should bring you happiness, never drain you. So pay attention to your feelings while you're in your sewing space and make sure your sewing time is bringing fulfillment. The sixth type of rest is sensory rest which gives you a respite from background noise, including digital devices and negative self-talk. The lovely part of quilting is that it involves working with your hands. It's a way to retreat to a quiet place after a long day and create something beautiful, or start your day with a little calm sewing time before the craziness starts. So much of our lives now seems to be happening on a screen. There work, school, uh, chats with family and friends, shopping, social media. So it's such a blessing to be able to unplug from the screen time each day and sew. And this may be easier for some than others. I know I can get sucked into looking at quilts on Instagram and Pinterest. And while that's okay for inspiration or connection with others, Sometimes I find myself scrolling through photos more than actually creating something. 
try to unplug while you're sewing. If you often watch TV or listen to music or audiobooks while sewing, try a little sewing time with just quiet and the hum of your machine. Even 10 minutes of quiet can help you recharge and avoid that sensory overwhelm we sometimes experience. And while you're at it, shut down the negative self-talk too. Over the years, I have seen many quilters point out their mistakes to others or seem disappointed in their work instead of celebrating their insane talent. So during that 10 minutes of quiet time, give yourself a pat on the back and tell yourself that your work is worthy and beautiful. The last type of rest is spiritual rest, so that you feel that you're part of something bigger, as well as a sense of belonging and fitting in. Quilting is a hobby with a deep history. Whether you come from a long line of quilters or are the first in your family to sew, the connection of quilting history unites us all. The knowledge that has been passed down through generations is expansive, and the quilts that still remain for us to be enjoyed are so special, and even what some may call modern quilts or modern fabrics are actually rooted in old designs and techniques. It's very special to have that history and educate yourself about it. So if you're struggling with feeling that connection, try visiting a quilt museum reading a book about antique quilts or fabrics, or exploring quilting trends during a specific period of time, such as the Great Depression or the 1970s. Knowing that you belong to such a large club can be really comforting and rewarding. And don't forget the charitable aspect. If you want to feel like you're making a real difference in others' lives with your hobby, Pick a cause you're passionate about and make quilts or other sewn items to benefit that cause. There are a lot of quilting charity organizations out there, and finding one that holds a special place in your heart can really help you feel like you're part of something bigger while sewing. There you have it, the seven types of rest we all need. Quilting is fun, absolutely, but it's also so beneficial for our mental and emotional health and really connects us with others and with a purpose. So hopefully you feel inspired to use sewing as a form of rest to recharge your batteries. And if you're feeling drained in one or more of these areas, we hope our suggestions work to help you get out of your funk. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're chatting with Wendy of The Weekend Quilter. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back. A few weeks ago, I had the pleasure of chatting with Wendy Chow, a New York-based designer, podcast host, modern quilter, and author of the brand new book, Urban Quilting. Wendy creates thoughtful and inspiring patterns, spent her pandemic writing a book and connecting quilters through her podcast, Quilt Buzz, and she has lots of fun things to share with us. She is Australian, so you'll hear her accent, but enjoy our talk. 
Thank you so much for joining us, Wendy. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Usually I'm on the other side asking the questions, so <laughs> it's interesting to be on the other side this time. <laughs> well, it's nice to interview someone that also has a podcast because there's no nerves, I'm sure. Oh, I don't know. I feel a little bit nervous. <laughs> it's easier to ask the questions and answer it. So. Yeah. Well, let's start with an easy one, hopefully. Why don't you introduce yourself and tell us how you started quilting? Yeah, so I'm Wendy of the Weekend Falter. Um, so I'm originally from Perth, Australia, so you can probably hear it in my voice. Um, but now I'm based in New York City. So I design and I write um, one quilt patterns um, to just share my passion for quilting, but also to continue to um, to pass down the you know the craft of quilting to new new makers. Um, I'm also the co-host of Quilt Buzz, uh, which is a podcast, and the author of Urban Quilting, which is my newest book. Yeah, we're going to talk about all of that today. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And you asked me about how did I get into quilting, is that right? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so I don't come from a line of quilters. So um, the craft was introduced to me through um, one of my older sisters. So she attended a, few, like a series of quilting classes at her local quilt store. And then this was back in Canberra. And then she moved back home with my parents and then she turned our parents' dining room into a, I guess, like a quilt studio, <laughs> a sewing room. Um, and I guess just watching that whole process unfold and um, all the fabrics that she was playing with, that really sort of intrigued me. And I was like, hey, I think I can give this a go. So I taught myself how to quilt with just the basics from high school home economics class. So as you mentioned, your brand is called The Weekend Quilter. Do you want to talk about where that name came from? Yeah, so I used to work at a pretty, like a pretty intense, like, you know, demanding, stressful corporate job. And I guess like, you know, working after hours, working on the weekend was kind of the norm and it was starting to get pretty unhealthy. Um, so I started the my Instagram account, um, The Weekend Quarter, back in 2017. Um, so it was my creative outlet and just a way for me to, I guess, What's the thing? Um, it's a way for me to connect with other quilters to hold me accountable for, um, you know, living a bit more of a work balanced lifestyle, let's say, like between work and play. Um, so that's why the name The Weekend Quilter came about. Um, so the first few years of my, of the Quiltstagram, The Weekend Quilter, um, I didn't envision it to be a business one day. Um, and it was only really until like when I relocated to the States and the first 11 months being in the States, I wasn't able to work or start a new business. So I was able to put 110% into the weekend portion, sort of building that brand and, you know, creating content for that. Um, so yeah, I, I guess like the original plan was to go back into, you know, marketing research and consulting. Um, but however, the opportunity to write a quilting book came about. So the, I guess the rest was history from there. I so. feel like it was just meant to be for you. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty crazy because, um, I think at the time I only had probably about 5,000 followers on my Instagram account and just out of the blue, I got this email from the publisher and like, Hey, Wendy, do you want to have a catch up? Um, let's just talk about the, you know, the potential of writing a quilt book. Um, and at the time, we've got to admit, I was pretty ballsy because <laughs> um, I still didn't have my work permit. And through, throughout that whole period, 
I was doing several different interviews. I had interviews with Etsy, which was, would have been awesome to have on their marketing team, but um, they kind of declined me because every single time I told them, I was like, yeah, so I'm still waiting for my work permit. I just don't know when I'm going to get it. <laughs> and it just sort of slammed the door on me. But I, throughout that whole sort of process where we're in that kind of negotiating the contract and whatnot with the publisher, I was like, oh gosh, I hope this doesn't fall through. Like I still don't have my work permit. Um, but three days after I got my work permit, I did sign the contract with them. So I guess, like you said, it was meant to be. Yay. So let's talk about your book. So your book is called Urban Quilting. I mean, yes. we're actually, your publisher sent us a review copy and we loved it so much. We're featuring it in um, one of our upcoming magazines. So um, we're we're very excited to promote it. And can you tell us more about it for all of our listeners? Yeah, so Urban Quilting is my first publication. Um, so the book contains 10 different modern quilt patterns and each of them have three different sizes. Um, and the designs are inspired from my love for cities. So like living in it, traveling and experiencing different cultures and like lifestyles in it. Um, so each pattern touches on the inspiration behind it, as well as some sort of quilting history to allow the quilt to or the readers to feel more connected and connected with the craft as well as the designer. Um, and the book is written for beginners to guide them, you know, on how to start and finish a quilt, as well as for seasoned quilters that want to have like a refresher or just something to fill in the gaps. Um, throughout the years, there might be some really interesting tips there as well. So yeah. Do you have a favorite quilt from the book? Oh, I would say, I think Landmark would be one of my favorites. So it's a log cabin quilt. It's a little bit like a, I did a little bit of a twist to it as well. Um, so it was inspired by one of the sort of I guess one of the landmarks in Perth. Um, so yeah, it's, I can't remember what, well, it's called the Bankwest. Oh, it's known as the Bankwest Tower. Um, and yeah, I just kind of can't imagine seeing Perth without it. And I think like, you know, there's so many different landmarks that make up different cities and, you know, people travel to to different cities just to see it. And that's, you know, part of their highlight of their trip. So that's kind of where that inspiration came from. Oh, I love that. What's been the best part now that your book is out in the world, the best part about people having your book or seeing them make quilts? Do you have like a favorite part now that the book is published? Yeah, I think definitely seeing people like with the book and making things, it's really exciting. Um, the whole process took quite a bit of time. Um, so did you have any of the quilts already done or were you making all of the quilts from scratch? They're all from scratch. Yeah, that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah. So I was actually, so it's quite an interesting time because a lot of the work was done during the lockdown in New York City. Um, so <laughs> there was nothing really anything else for me to do but to work on the quilts and it was I would say like I've never made so many quilts ever in a short period of time I think I made all up 31 of the quilts wow I think in about nine months mm -hmm. and then on top of that I was also working on the weekend quilters things as well and it was pretty hard to keep it all as a secret um because I you know we can't talk about it 
Right. So you were doing all this sewing, but you couldn't share anything. <laughs> exactly. It's all the behind the scenes things and pretending that nothing was really happening, but it's like was big. It's like big was really happening. Um, but yeah, no, it's always so exciting to see people with the book, um, sharing them on Instagram, but also just seeing their work as well and seeing all that come to life. Because I definitely like through that whole process, you kind of feel like, you know, what am I doing here? Like, why am I working so hard? But until you actually begin to see all the pages laid out and preview it digitally, it really feels so real. But it feels more real when you see the book on bookshelves and also in people's hands. Yes, that's so exciting. And I love that a lot of that work happened for you during lockdown. That I think that's just like an extra special <laughs> thing for you to know about the book and you should be so proud. Yeah, it was definitely a bit of a challenge, especially the, the photography as well. Um, oh my gosh, yeah. Tell us about the photography. Yeah, I had big plans to, um, you know, include people, include pets in it, just kind of see people interact with the quote because usually... I think when you see quilts and quilt books, they're quite, you know, static, you know, they're just laid out on beautifully on the couch, but I just want to see people interact with it because that's what we do with quilts, right? Yeah. So, um, but unfortunately, you know, COVID happened and shot down all of that. I had plans to go to, you know, friends' apartments that, you know, we had to get really creative. Um, and also at the time, our apartment was a construction zone. Oh, so no. <laughs> my husband and I were living out of our bedroom for like nearly a year. And um, yeah, so we had to rearrange the furniture to pretend that it was a different part of the home. Are you a photographer? Or did you have to hire someone? Um, I'm not a, I'm not a trained photographer. Um, but for this particular project, I did hire a photographer. Um, the original plan was for me to do the photography and I was down for it. But I think I had to kind of let go and, you know, for my own sanity, I just outsourced it to someone. And, you know, I'm so grateful for my photographer, Rachel Kuzma. Um, yeah, because she she normally does uh, photography for real estate and for influencers, but this is like, you know, new territory quoting. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, it was it was a, a new experience for the two of us. So oh, I love hearing these like behind the scenes stories. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, so you live in New York, um, and you just said you were living out of your bedroom for a while. So I'm, I guess I'm assuming you have a smaller sewing space or a space that's shared with another part of your home. Is that true? Um, or do you rent a studio? At the beginning, it was when I first moved in with my husband. So let's just rewind like a little bit further yeah. back. So I, I mean, back in Australia, you know, even though I did live in a house instead of an apartment, my sewing space was actually smaller than um, the space that I'm working with, like in New York City. Okay. Um, so I actually worked on a desk in my bedroom that was probably about a yard long and my sewing machine was really <laughs> tiny. So it was a really basic machine. Um, but it was pretty small. Um, but uh, yeah, no, so when I first moved my husband, um, I shared his um, I shared his desk, basically. <laughs> and, and it was in its situated in our living area. Um, but after a while, like, you know, my sort of fabric addiction and 
sewing habits, um, you know, shopping habits, you know, it started to get a little bit crazy. Because being in the US, you know, access to fabrics and notions, it's just endless. And it's just so easy to buy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so so you needed a bigger space because you, yes. you, you collected too much. <laughs> yeah, I kind of collected too much. And I actually did shove everything in the um, in my wardrobe. But thankfully, that didn't really drag out. So like about a year after, uh, we managed to find a permanent and a bigger place, which was great. Yeah. So I would say the first year of living in this bigger space, we were in our bedroom, like I mentioned earlier. And that was a bit of a challenge because, yeah, I, I bought it. I ended up buying my own desk because we knew that we were going in lockdown. My husband was going to work from home. Um, so, yeah, I think that first year was a little bit of a struggle where, you know, my desk was not only the desk that we worked on, but the desk where it was transformed into our dining table. It's where I cooked <laughs> and <laughs> where we parked our laptops and we were like watching our TV shows on there. Um, but after that, you know, I've moved into like my own studio, I have my own room, which is really great. I have bigger wardrobes where I can stuff and fill more fabrics and notions and other sort of supplies in there, which has been great. Um, so yeah. Are you an organized person? I just find that people that start with, <laughs> I just find that people that seem to have start with very small spaces start off their sewing journey so organized because they don't have the space. And later when they get larger spaces, they stay organized, <laughs> but maybe that's not the case. <laughs> I would say when I first moved into my bigger space, I was organized. But after a while, when you accumulate more things and you kind of just get a little lazy and you just end up shoving everything in or when you're making 30 quilts for a book <laughs> <laughs> yeah because I think for example like back when we were working in out of our bedroom and you know in the living area I had to be more neat and tidy with my work um because it was our common space and I didn't want to feel so cluttered and I didn't want people to come into my apartment and like you know, that <laughs> so um, I had to be more neat and tidy, but um, having my own space, I'm a little bit more chaotic, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, it's Lindsay. So sorry to interrupt, but we need to pause for a quick ad break. We'll be back soon with more from Wendy. Do you have a favorite quilt shop in New York or do you order your stuff online? Yeah, it would, I would say mostly things online because there's probably only, well, there's only like two two or three quilt stores in the city. So there's Gotham Quilts. Yep. Um, I know Victoria Finlay Wolf had one, but I know that with COVID, she's, I don't know if it's like, I get her emails. I'm not too sure if she's back in the city or not, but she got the city for a little bit. Yeah. Um, Pearl Soho's downtown, which is great because it's only like a 12 minute walk from my apartment oh right um, but I know that they've um closed to the public um because of COVID uh that the online store is still available so okay yeah I think that's yeah. just a so different from many of us like we we would just drive to the quilt store and park in their parking lot where <laughs> I'm sure it's harder for you to get to them spread yeah. across the city and then carry all your lovely lovely fabric home yeah and like the closest joanne's to me is like in new jersey so <laughs> it's in another state yeah it's like a whole whole new world <laughs> yeah but in terms of my favorite quilt stores 
I, could I have name more than one? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Um, so I do like Hawthorne Supply Co. Um, so they're in upstate New York and I love their service because they're so quick. So generally I get the fabrics the following business day or like the next, the yeah, the following business day. <laughs> so um, that's really quick. I love Fabric Bob because um, they've got a great range of Kona colors, which I use a lot throughout urban quilting. And I would say Lamb and Loom Fabrics as well. So oh, yeah. Yeah. Those are my favorite stores. <laughs> Good choices. Yeah, I think a lot of us are having to find our favorite online stores recently. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely throughout the pandemic, and especially when it was like mask, crazy mask making time, um, it was pretty hard to find some fabrics, especially with the colors as well. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> so let's switch gears and talk about your podcast. So you are the co-host of Quilt Buzz. Um, and of course, our listeners love podcasts, so I'm sure they're always looking for more quilting ones. So do you want to tell us a little bit about Quilt Buzz and what, what our yeah. listeners could expect if they subscribe? Yeah. So um, Amanda of Broadcloth Studio and Anna of Wax and Wayne Studio and I started a podcast back in March last year. So a few weeks into the, the lockdown, which was a coincidence. Trust me, it was a coincidence. Um, but yeah, every other week we um, we launch a new episode, a 30-minute episode, and we chat to different people um, that make up the quilting community, um, whether they're a designer, a fabric store make, a fabric store owner, um, pattern tester, a lawman quilter, or they create notions, or they work for a manufacturer or distributor. Um, and many other people that do make up the community. Um, but we want to just give people the opportunity to tell their story and um, we just want to hear their voices and just get to know them and hear more about what they do in their work. Um, so, I mean, there's so much that you can you can really express through Instagram or through your blog, right? So um, what better the way than to have a conversation through a podcast, So, like what we're doing now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, you can find us, Quilt Buzz, um, on Spotify, Apple, Google, Stitcher, quiltbuzzpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Yay. Yeah, everyone should check it out. It's a great show. And I just love, I mean, I love doing interviews for our podcast, but I just love hearing other people talk to people I've never heard of before in some cases. And just yeah. a great way to expand. Um, you know, kind of your views on the quilting community and learn more and just feel connected, especially now when we're still kind of apart from everyone. <laughs> I kind of felt that when we started Quilt Buzz, it was sort of an extension of our experience at QuiltCon, um, which was really, you know, QuiltCon is such an amazing thing where you get to meet and greet all these people that, you know, might you might not have necessarily met in person, and you know you follow them on Instagram all the time, so it's really exciting, and you can really form some really awesome connections. And that's what we felt as well um, through the podcast. Um, not only just us as the co-host, but also um, you know it's such a great opportunity for us to connect our listeners with the guests and the guests with other listeners, and that just kind of opens up this whole um, other door for them as well. Yeah, it's so it's such a rewarding thing to do. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So to end the interview, I just have a few quick, fun questions for you. So sure. do you have a few favorite supplies you want to share? 
Yeah, so my wool pressing mat, um, a eight and a half inch by 24 and a half inch Creative Grids ruler and these thread snips from LDH scissors, they're really pretty, very photogenic. They're a brass gold color, so really good for Instagram photos. I just love that. I feel like quilters are such visual people. So when we're shopping for things, we're like, oh, we could have this fun, colorful supply or this like basic one. Yeah, it's hashtag for the gram. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, do you want to share a recent project that you finished that you are in love with yeah um so it's my playful quilt pattern um and i made it in a baby size with paintbrush studios new double gauze fabric um it's super soft super cuddly i kind of wish i made one for myself <laughs> um i've never used double gauze in a quilt i really need to it seems so soft yeah, it's a little bit of a challenge, but the results are rewarding. And like I said, super soft, super cuddly. Love it. Do you have a sewing tip that you share with others that just blows their mind every time? Knee pads. <laughs> for, for basting? Yeah. So like yes. for And for even just like marking like quilting guidelines, um, it sounds ridiculous, but trust me, your knees are going to thank you. Yes, that's such a good idea. <laughs> um, how would you describe your style of quilts that you make? Do you, do you feel like you fall into a category? Um, oh, I mean, definitely like the modern category. I would say like if you have not been to my Instagram account, like I would sort of describe my work as bold, colorful, um, geometric shapes and unexpected thread and color combinations. I like to stop people in their tracks while they're scrolling through Instagram or Pinterest. So, yeah. Um, and then do you prefer sewing by hand or by machine? Hands down, machine everything. You do some, do you do hand quilting though or hand, any I, hand piecing? Um, I've tried, actually, I've tried hand quilting for the first time end of last year. Okay. Um, it took me a long time to get there. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I mean, Anna and Amanda from Port Buzz, they're like, when do you get to try hand quilting? I'm like, yeah, sure. It's <laughs> so trendy right now, especially with like mm -hmm. all the different thread colors. It's on my list to try, but yeah, I yeah. don't think I'll be very good at it. <laughs> Oh, well, I think just through practice, I mean, I'm still learning, but yeah, it's just, it's really relaxing, but at the same time, when I have so many things juggling at the same time, it's quite difficult to make time for it, <laughs> so I bet. all the way. <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, doing stuff by hand, I mean, I've been sewing for 10 years now, and at the beginning, I just wanted to make everything, and I didn't have enough time, and I was sewing everything by machine, but now it's like... I'm doing more, I find myself doing more things by hand. So I think maybe it's like after time, yeah. <laughs> you just feel like you have, you want to try something new. I don't know. We'll see. Have you tried um, English paper piecing? Yes. I've done English paper piecing. I've been hand piecing, but I, I want to get into hand applique and hand quilting next. Yeah. That's <laughs> like you said, there's some really awesome threads out there. Like the Shashake, I don't know, is it Shashaka? Yeah, Shashako, yeah. <laughs> um, I remember seeing so many different threads at um, QuiltCon last year, and they are really, there's some really cool colors out there. Mm -hmm. um, I realized I forgot to ask you, 
Yeah. What are the differences between quilting styles or designs between Australia and the US? Are there big differences? Yeah, I mean, I've got to say, um, I wasn't very immersed in the sort of Australian quilters. Like the only other two quilters I knew were my sister and my long-arm quilter. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would say I was more immersed in the sort of US because I was um, more connected with like the Instagram sort of community. So Mm -hmm. I can't really comment um, too much on the the differences between the two. does, so, your, does your sister still quilt? Yeah, she does. She actually is. She actually sometimes helped me out with testing. Oh, so nice! It's really, really nice to help me out with that. Um, but yeah, no. Going back to your question, I've got to say there is definitely more variety in terms of fabrics and notions in the US versus Australia, and you know, access to de- designer fabrics like art gallery fabrics, Figo, cotton, steel, um, Ruby Star. Like they're easier and they're cheaper to source um, in the US compared with Australia. Because I would say like the cost of shipping and the exchange rate is a pretty big barrier to Australians. And, um, you know, sometimes the cost of the fabrics work out to be, you know, cheaper than the shipping fees. So, mm-hmm. um, but although I've got to say over the last couple of years, um, I've noticed there are smaller Australian online retailers that do stock designer fabrics. So for example, um, Scribbly Gum Coach, she's based in Sydney. So um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's just fun to hear. (laughs) I think it sounds really funny, but you know, I've met more Australian falters in the US than actually being in Australia. I would say I would have been a lot more, I would be, I would say like, I was more shy, like being a quilter in Australia than in the US. So, yeah. 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 Thanks so much for chatting with us, Wendy. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. Wendy is just the sweetest. I love her journey into the quilting world and how she just made the most of every opportunity that presented itself to her. We'll link to all the resources mentioned in the interview, including her book, her podcast, and then her website and social media accounts so that you can connect with her more. Thanks for tuning in today. We appreciate all of our listeners and love being here with you every Monday. So we'll talk to you next week. all and thanks for listening keep in touch american patchwork and quilting is on facebook pinterest and instagram at all people quilt email us at apqpodcast at meredith.com resources for this week can be found at allpeoplequilt.com slash podcast and if you love the american patchwork and quilting podcast please subscribe on your favorite podcast app for free and don't forget to rate and review the show it helps other quilters find us Have a creative week.